You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Hello, welcome to the Talking Taiwan podcast. I'm your host, Felicia Lin, and today our guest on the show is Brian Yang, television film actor and producer. Welcome to the podcast, Brian. Hey, Felicia. Good to be here. Great. So I just wanted to start with a general question. Uh, how did you get into the film and entertainment industry? I was in, I guess it goes back as far as high school. My mom, she re regrettably now. <laughs> <laughs> Still? She, even uh, though, even with the success uh, of Insanity and other things? Yeah. I, uh, being an Asian mom, she's never satisfied because I've you know, gone down this untraditional path, but she actually uh, put my, she put my uh, photo into this like contest, a Macy's back to school contest thing. They were looking for uh, different aged people who, to model in their, wow. I guess their, their brochures yeah. and do some like shows and stuff. And so when, when I somehow got selected to be in this thing, that exposed me to the world of, agents and, yeah. and uh, you know, film and television and commercials and things like that. And I was like, wow, what is this world? I, I had no idea. I mean, obviously everyone watched TV growing up, but like you don't really think about that business, right, as a, as a business or career. And so that was the, the seeds, I think, that were planted. And, and so when I got to Cal the next year, I started to tinker around in, in it. I, this is actually a very little-known story. I was a uh, an extra in the Joyla Club. Oh. The, they actually shot the majority of the movie in East Bay in California. Wow. And I was I was in college. I just got into college, and, and I knew the guy who was looking for background people. He's like, "Hey, you want to be an extra in in Joyla Club?" I was like, "Wow, wow Joyla Club! <laughs> yeah, one hundred and fifty bucks a day. Like, and yeah. you can feed me good food." And so I got on set, and you know, I. Um, saw Russell Wong. I was like, wow, Russell Wong is so yeah. cool and like acting and he goes into his trailer and what is he doing? <laughs> so then I started taking dramatic arts classes from there every mm -hmm. semester at Cal. Mm -hmm. And the, the more I got into it, the more I fell in love with it. And so, you know, I didn't want, I, I wound up majoring in biology at Cal, but I practically had a theater minor. I didn't, I didn't wind up actually doing it, but right. I took so many theaters. I felt like I was more of a theater major than a, than a bio major. And right. then um, that's how I got into it. Then after that, it was, there's was, there's was a lot of twists and turns. Like when you start to think about it from a professional standpoint after you finish school, sure, and it didn't happen right away. But but that I was I was definitely hooked very early on. Well, thank you for that. I love that story. I think that it's quite funny that your mom kind of like set that all off. Um, so who were your early role models, and has that changed? Who's your role model today? Um, gosh, early role models. I I looked up to a number of people. Um, I think I started off as an actor, and so I, I I'd look at some of the uh, you know obviously the more high profile Asian American actors and think wow they're you know they're doing some great things. B.D. Wong, Sandra Oh, I always looked up to. You know I, I took class under uh, a couple of you know who I consider legends in the business, including uh, the late Mako and mm -hmm. and. Actor named Tai Ma, mm -hmm. who is still working today in, right. in in Hollywood, and so 
I, you know, I really learned the craft and how to um, make this a, a, a career through people like that, you know, because if you're not in the business and you, you know, you always get that question like, oh, you know, how do you make a living? What do you want? Like, what, how does it work? Like, you know, and, and, and then until you really absorb yourself into it, you, you, you just won't know until you do. So, um, so I started off under these folks and, you know, idolizing, you know, again, like BD and Sandra and, and some of the other folks who were working consistently and just seeing that, that they, they were blazing a path and, and making it possible. And so I said, well, you know, I, it's just one day at a time and you just got to put your nose to the grindstone and keep plugging. And so that's, that's what I did. And, uh, and you know, today it's, it, nothing's really changed. I mean, I'm older mm-hmm. and I've worked on more things and it's been a crazy journey, but it's still a grind. I still look up to BD Wong and, uh, and Tai mm-hmm. Ma and, you mm-hmm. know, I, um, I know a lot more people now in the industry and I'm very happy and to see the, the evolution of a lot of people's careers and the industry, how it, how it's changed over the years. So, you know, but it's always what's next. Right, right. Now I'm an independent film producer in addition to being an actor, and I always have to kind of juggle both of those things, and you know, and making making my mom happy at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we all have to do that. Um, You know, Taiwanese Asian kids, we can all uh, relate to that. Um, So, do you have? Do you prefer being a producer or actor, or you just Balancing the two, and how would you compare the two? I'm an actor first, and I became a producer second, and now I, I produce more than I act. <laughs> <laughs> I think becoming a producer, uh, you know, it was sort of a natural progression from being an actor because if you want to survive in this business, you have to like always be. I think you have to kind of you have to be proactive right. instead of waiting around for your you know your agent or some kind of right. script that fall into your lap. Because uh, waiting around will just kill you, and and I always was too ambitious to just wait. So I thought, why not create? And mm-hmm. you know, I love this business. I you know, I know nothing else now, and and uh, and I I had I have a business background. So despite the fact that I was a biology major and I I was acting first, I I, I wound up working for many years in the corporate setting in mm-hmm. New York mm-hmm. while I was chasing auditions and stuff, and so. Over the years, I developed the mindset for, you know, producing, and then mm-hmm. I wound up starting to produce. And and now I think of it as, you know, I'm very realistic, conservative, you know, I guess because I'm Asian in terms of thinking, okay, this is, you know, the, the acting is a, the thing that favors the young. It's not something that you know, it's great if you find success, but it can be gone. It's very fleeting, and you just never know. Uh, you're all, and as you get older, it becomes more difficult. Mm-hmm. So, so if you want to, you want to be in this business, you've really got to like turn your side, turn yourselves to the other side of the camera. And and you know, I, so so the acting opportunities continue to come my way. Great, I'll mm-hmm. take them. Or, you know, mm-hmm. I'll take the come. But but I really feel like in the long run, being a producer is probably something I'm going to be better suited for, just because. You know, you can do that till till whenever. Doesn't matter how you look, or you know, you can you can stop having to stay in shape and, right. and all that stuff. <laughs> right. 
I'm equally happy doing both. Yeah. You know, I, obviously I can be my first true passion, but I really enjoy producing too. I like putting things together. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so how do you pick your projects? Um, one is a producer and one is an actor. You know, Lindsay, obviously going on right now, I have another movie called The People, I'll be sorry, Someone I Slept With. Someone I Slept With. <laughs> Sounds kind of funny when you say it aloud, right? <laughs> Gosh, I can't believe I just said that. There was, I, I had been involved with a movie years ago called The People I Slept With. Oh. And there's a movie right now called Someone I Used to Know. Oh, okay. <laughs> out, out on the festival circuit as well. Right. Um, and then I have a bunch of other projects that are in the pipeline. And I, you know, I would say all of these projects, whether they're done or still to be done, they all came mostly came from a friend or somebody who pitched an idea to me that I just liked. You right. know? And that, that comes in very random ways and very random times. There's no process to it, really. It's, it's kind of just, you know, they always say it's, it's sort of like who you know or what you use what's around you or what you know. And, and that's, that's been the case with all these things. And, and these are your producing projects? These are all, the, yeah, these are all the producing projects. Um, you know, just different filmmakers that I've known over the years who I really like, I'll gravitate towards and want to work with them again and again. Or, you know, I, I travel to film festivals a lot and I've met a lot of different uh, people in the world, in the industry who, who have really neat ideas and, and then, you know, we'll, we'll just start noodling on it and like next thing you know, it'll be like, okay, we should, we should do this together. So, uh, so it's, it's really, you know, like I said, there's no real rhyme or reason. It's just, it's just kind of like timing and who you're in touch with. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm sure the relationship is such an important part of, you know, getting, getting yeah. the project done, you know, with the right person is the chemistry and so on. So then, you know, from an acting standpoint, that's that's a little different. That's when someone, you know, you get a call for an audition or maybe even an offer to play something, then, you know, whether it's through a friend or your agent or uh, you're, again, that's that's a very sort of reactive situation where you, where you get asked to do something and then you're like, oh, okay, and, you know, versus, versus producing where I'm seeking projects out. Right. You know, they're, they're much more, uh, the opportunities are much more often in your face. So it's a different speed. Obviously, there's, they cross over a lot. I mean, producers need actors and actors need producers. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Sometimes I need myself, I guess, and some both. <laughs> so you've it's, acted in a, f a project that you produced? Uh, I have a couple of times, but it's not by any means a, a mutually exclusive thing or that I have to do it, you know, so... Right. Yeah, it, it, it has happened, though. Sure. And I I actually, to be honest, I, I actually don't like to do that because I'd rather turn off my producing brain if I'm going to act or turn off my acting brain if I'm going to produce. Right, sense. right, right. Doing both is challenging. Yeah, same thing. yeah, 
Right. Um, and you alluded to this a little bit earlier about how the film industry, you know, the entertainment industry has changed so much for Asian American actors since your career began. I mean, I remember one of your earliest films, um, Saving Face. Um, those kinds of films were very few and far between when it came out and it broke a lot of stereotypes of the subject matter and so forth. So um, what would you say about how the industry has changed? It's gotten progressively better because... Uh, the, I, I think over the years, and it's still a process. I, I don't think we're anywhere near where we should be, but I think I think the roles, the opportunities uh, for Asian American actors have increased. You know, going in the positive direction is good. It's just it hasn't increased to the level where we hope it does or should. Mm-hmm. And you know, by that I mean. I definitely noticed that, uh, you know, every pilot season, there's more colorblind casting. There's more, there's usually an Asian character who's written into something. Uh, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, there were fewer mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that. So they're much more inclusive now. Uh, that is to say that the showrunners and writers and producers who are at networks or you know, studios or what, what have you. But I still think it's it's when I say it's not enough, or I still see a lot of roles that call for accents and you know immigrant behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, okay, you're you're trying to make it more colorful, but you're really just feeding in the same stereotypes. So, right. So I I, I kind of I really don't count those as making progress. Uh-huh. And in fact, if anything, it, you know we're just in the same. Long duck dong, you know, stage mm. we were back in, in 16 candles in the yeah. 1980s. So that is pretty discouraging to still see that exists. But, you know, I, I do see more three dimensional characters as well. So it, it's a mixed bag. So overall, moving forward, uh, but not anywhere where it should be. So, you know, so I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer or that I'm, I'm, I'm a pessimist or, or, or <laughs> no. I just think there's just a lot more progress that can be done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, where can people see you these days? You're you're you do have a television role on um, Hawaii Five O, right? Yeah, I have a recurring role on Five O as uh, Doctor Charlie Fong, a forensic scientist. So uh, we're in our fourth season now, and I'm uh, actually I just got back from Hawaii, and I'm going there again soon. So. We're, we're pretty much in the middle of the season shooting away. Right. And how did you get that role? Uh, that was, um, gosh, <laughs> talk about, you know, sometimes you also need just a little bit of luck in this industry. Uh-huh. I, I happened to be in Hawaii. This is about two and a half, going on three years now. I, I was in Hawaii just literally like, with my friends on a vacation trip. Wow. And and I get a phone call from a friend, a local TV casting director. Uh Uh-huh. And he tells me, he's like, hey, Brian, you're on an island, right? And, you know, (laughs) he must have saw my Facebook status or something like that. And he's like, you know, it's crazy because right now we're we're casting. I have a friend casting for Hawaii Five-0. Right. That you'd be really good for. Oh, my goodness. Hey, you know, I'm sure, why not? I'm here, might as well. So, so uh, you know, the next 
day I'd go in for the read and, and then they're like, wow, you know what? We think uh, we want you for a callback and come back tomorrow. Or I think it was either the day after two days later and I was supposed to be flying back home. And I, I actually, um, I said, well, you know, for, yes, of course, for callback, I'll change, I'll change everything around. If you think, if you think it's definitely, yeah, happening. right. So I wound up, uh, you know, just changing my trip and, I go to the callback and, and, you know, after that second round or third round, I think, um, I wind up getting apart and, and then I, I had to stay for another like two or three weeks to shoot two episodes of, of Hawaii Five-0. And mm. it happened fast. And I think I was, you know, it was needless to say, it, it, it just, it, you just never know when something like that could happen. And, and so had I not been in Hawaii, I actually don't think that would have got that ever had that part or opportunity yeah it, it was that was just kind of dumb luck that it happened right at the time yeah that's amazing um uh, thanks to social media and facebook right yeah, <laughs> yeah. so how would you com- since you've worked in both television and film how would you compare the two and do you have a preference tv is a lot more fast-paced it's it's definitely boom 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 they they have they have a schedule to stick to and you know, every episode of Five O takes about eight working days, and there everything is just down to a T, right? And so, you don't really rehearse, you don't really uh, have much time to mess up and, and, and reshoot, a, a, you know, saw a scene because they're just like pressed pedal to the metal. So it's it's uh it's it's a very you know it's a high high paced uh, environment and. Um, you know, you have to be on your A-game. Film, not to say you shouldn't be ready, uh, but you definitely have more of a leeway. Right. I've seen usually directors will rehearse their actors more, or mm-hmm. they don't get a ton of rehearsal in either, mm-hmm. but they'll get they'll get at least a, a couple, you know, they'll get a couple shots of rehearsing a scene before they go into it. They... You know, you have days to make too, but it's not as it's not as crazy and fast paced as like you gotta go go go. You know, like uh, like television is, and so so they have a very precise schedule as well. But it just seems to be more how do I say? It just it's a little bit more relaxed and paced. And if you if you mess up and you have to do more takes, you know that the director in that film environment. It's just a little more forgiving in terms of like, okay, you got, you can, you know, you can't just keep messing up. I mean, I'm not saying yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Pressure is not as high uh, for some reason just because you don't feel that need to be going. I think if, if this were a car, TV, you're driving like 120 miles an hour mm-hmm. and a film is like, you know, you're cruising at like, you know, 80. Right, you know? right. Well, I mean, so, it makes sense. You know, the deadlines are much tighter and... Yeah, exactly. You have to turn it around. It's airing like right away. Film, you know, you there's no deadline. You you're, you shoot, finish it, and then it's not coming out for another year. It's not two. So mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Great. So, what advice do you have to share with other aspiring Taiwanese or Asian American actors, producers, directors, like people generally who want to get into the um, film industry? I would say just. You know, you got you to pay your dues. I mean, I, I certainly did. I, you got to 
get into class. You gotta if you want to act, you gotta you definitely want to get some experience under your belt. You gotta do theater. You gotta do community theater for no pay and just mm. rehearsing for hours a day for nothing and and then uh, you know doing your off off Broadway show and uh, just cutting your teeth and you know like every little bit. I always say it's if you want to be a doctor or anything else in life, you, you got to go to med school. You got to work in a hospital to get experience. You got to work your way up. You got to climb the corporate ladder. And, and being an actor is no different. You got to you got to climb that actor ladder. So you don't you can't just vault to the top without without you know building a foundation. So whether that's getting into class, doing short films at NYU, Columbia, USC, you know. Mm-hmm. San Francisco's got some really great schools. Like anywhere you live, you can you can uh, find short films being done. And, and so just put yourself in there, get experience, get a reel together because people always want to see what you look like right. and do. Now, you know now in this day and age in digital media, you can easily you know put together your own stuff. It, it, you know you might need some help with some friends or like-minded people, but you don't have to wait for people to like create a movie and then you can finally star in it. Like do something that showcases yourself and put it online and, you know, obviously make it good. It's gotta be something that people are going to want to look at, but the resources are all there and, and it's easier than ever now to connect with the outside world and get yourself seen. So it's the same, any aspect of this business, if you want to work in entertainment, if you want to do film, if you want to be a producer, you want to be, you know, work in uh, a studio, a production company. I mean, you've got to start as an intern. You've got to, you know, I did my internship back after college at uh, Rat Entertainment. I remember I worked at uh, mm. Brett Rat's office uh-huh. first and just picked up phones and read scripts. And, and, you know, it's not glamorous, but it's that's how you build your network and, and your base. And, and then you eventually, you know, one thing leads to another and, then the world becomes your oyster at some point. It's not yeah, that easy. Sure. Just, you've got you've to climb that ladder and meet people, be fortuitous, opportunistic, do it the right way, treat everyone well. I mean, it all everything comes full circle. I'll tell you, this, the industry is so small that you're, you're going to cross paths with people over and over again because there's only so many distributors. There's sure. only so many festivals. There's only so many, you know, working editors, mm-hmm. composers, actors, and, and you're going to gravitate towards people you like. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are going to go to go away from people they don't like, which could be you if you're the one burning the bridges. So just always keep that in mind and, and put out good work and good energy and, and, and keep working hard. And, you know, it sounds simple, but that's really, that's really the, the, the secret to success in anything you do really, but especially in, in this industry. Right, right, great. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, you gave a lot of really good advice. Um, I'm wondering, is there anything else you'd like to share about your upcoming projects or if people want to know more about what you're up to? Um, how can they find out? Sure. Well, uh, someone I used to know, the other the other independent film that I um, was involved in is playing this Saturday at the Boston Asian American Film Festival is then subsequently going to be playing in the Vancouver Asian Film Festival, the Washington, D.C. Asian Pacific American Film Series, and 
then also the Philadelphia Asian American Film Festival. And these are all like between the Saturday and mid-November. So if you live in any of those cities in the next two, three weeks, uh, please come on out. And you can uh, find out information about that. And I guess just me in general and what I'm doing and my projects. Man, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Bryflies, B-R-I-F-L-Y-S. So uh, I pretty much put everything up there about what I'm doing. And hopefully I'll see some people on the other side. Yeah. So. Did you want to um, say something briefly about what the film is about so people can, you know, yeah. gauge if they're uh, interested? Somebody, oh, sure. It's a, it's a um, dramedy, an ensemble dramedy piece. Um you know, in the vein of a breakfast club or uh, the Big Chill, a uh, mm. group of old friends who've known each other since uh, they were young and in school uh, reunite one summer evening in Los Angeles, you know, after years of not having seen each other and, and grown to adults. And they go through a catharsis, of, you know, over the course of this night. The journey takes place throughout the evening into the morning. And it's about their relationships uh, with each other and themselves and their realizations and, you know, letting go of secrets that they've sat on. And, and, and it's a character study of different people who I think are all relatable on some level mm-hmm. to, to people. And uh, we've got Rex Lee from uh, Entourage. He's uh-huh. one of the, the uh, supporting characters in it, does a great job being very funny uh-huh. yeah and you know again it's it's an ensemble piece but but rex rex shines because he everyone loves rex everyone loves lloyd <laughs> so yeah so hopefully people will get out and check it out great well thank you so much for um taking time of your schedule to talk with us um really appreciate you being here yeah thank you so much Okay, so thank you for listening to the Talking Taiwan podcast. This is your host, Felicia Lin. I look forward to our next episode. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.